Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 as we investigate together biblical prophecy. And today, we're going to dig into our topic right away. We're going to be talking about an overlooked way of changing dispensationalist minds. And remember, the rapture theory is an outgrowth of dispensationalism. And that's why we're concentrating on dispensationalism, because the whole rapture theory comes from it. And if you want to deal with the rapture in any moment theory, you have to get back to dispensationalism. But let me back up and give you an illustration. I think it's somewhat important. Unless you enjoy banging your head against a brick wall, it pays dividends to examine carefully your own theological beliefs before trying to change someone else's. And let me share with you a personal secret. I wrote a book uh, published in 2017, around the time of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, and the book was entitled Grace and Justification, An Evangelical's Guide to Catholic Beliefs. And I've been interviewed on the book, and I can't remember anyone asking me why I wrote the book. And I'm assuming many people thought it was just so self-evident. It was 2017, 500 years since the Protestant Reformation. I tried to make the titles of my books, descriptive of exactly what the books are about, and trying to explain Catholic beliefs about grace and justification for evangelicals. And that's true. That's what the first reason I wrote the book. But actually, there are two very strong reasons, twin reasons, why I wrote the book. And I don't think anybody (laughs) ever asked me why I wrote it and had the opportunity to share what I'm about to share with you. But my second reason was to convince Catholics that Catholicism believes in salvation by grace. And my intent in writing that book was I've spent a good bit of my adult life as an evangelical pastor, and I spent a good bit of my adult life as a Catholic. And I want to see these two come together, if at all possible, but I realize that there's some definite examination of Catholic beliefs that need to take place. And I would say when I say Catholic beliefs, the popular understanding of Catholic beliefs, because it's real clear in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 1996, just try to think what happened important in 1996. That was the Atlanta Olympics when the Olympics had that bomb go off. Any case, section 1996 says explicitly, our justification comes from the grace of God. There's no, um, there's no question of where justification comes from. And yet I went 20 years as an evangelical and never met, never met a Catholic who could articulate that to me. I remember not too long ago, I was out in California. Before a conference, I was listening to a radio station from my old Jesus Movement congregation. Two pastors were on there from Calvary Chapel. 
And the one pastor was saying, they were talking about salvation by grace, and they just happened to bring up Catholics. And not to be mean or cruel, they were just saying how important it was to share this with your family and friends and neighbors. And the one pastor said, you know, if I would ask a group of 10 Catholics about how are we saved, seven out of the 10 would revert to something they have to do. In other words, their works would be the ultimate cause of their salvation. And the other pastor said, no, I disagree. And this other pastor had been raised a Catholic. He was a cradle Catholic, now a Calvary Chapel pastor. He said, no, it wouldn't be seven out of 10 would say works are the way, our own works are the way we get to heaven. 10 out of 10 Catholics would say that. Now, (laughs) until Catholics repeatedly hear about the overwhelming primacy of the grace of God in our salvation. And if those Catholics live and depend upon the righteousness of Christ instead of their own uh, self-generated works on this uh, self-energized treadmill, if Catholics would just hear repeatedly and live and proclaim with joy the overwhelming grace of God, I really think there would be major, massive changes in evangelicals' attitudes towards Catholics. And you wouldn't need wrangling debates over justification, and you might just see some major divisions begin to heal. Now, how would all this process, and I've just given you one example, how would the same process relate to the divisions caused by biblical prophecy, and particularly those by the rise of dispensationalism throughout the 20th century and now in the 21st century. Well, again, remember the rapture at any moment theory comes directly from dispensationalism. And the core of dispensationalism is this. It's a belief in distinct and separate plans for Israel and the church. And I tried to give you Uh, many places where that is just so obviously untrue, just can't believe anybody would think anything else. But yet, a lot of pastors who have studied in dispensational circles swallow dispensationalism and then uh, approach the Bible and the passages, same passages that we would look at as Catholics and come up with something totally different because they've already swallowed, so to speak, the dispensational presuppositions that there's this grand separation between the church and Israel. And the problem with that is that it's explicit in the New Testament that that's no longer true. In fact, a huge chunk of the New Testament, particularly Paul's letters, are are dealing with either practical problems or the big theological questions about, you know, Jews and Gentiles, how do they fit in with Jesus the Messiah? And one of the ones I gave you, I think it's it's so helpful to remember that the name for the congregation in the wilderness, for the children of Israel in the Old Testament, for instance, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen's speech, it says, this was he who was with the congregation in the wilderness. And, you know, I think it's unfortunate that in the Old Testament Greek, 
which is very helpful, called the Septuagint, then you can compare apples to apples when you compare the Greek in the New Testament. And the word for church in the New Testament is ecclesia. The word for congregation in the wilderness in Stephen's speech is ecclesia. It's the exact same word. It was the ones called out to God in covenant in the old covenant. And it's the same term used in the new covenant. And it's used all over the place. I'm going to pick just one verse. And this is from the first verse of St. Paul's First Thessalonian letter. And the reason I picked that is First Thessalonians is where the dispensationalists claim the major teaching of the rapture occurs. And all I'm doing is just looking at the first verse, and it says, Paul, Salvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. And that word church, ecclesia, is the precise word used in the Old Testament for the congregation of Israel. And so it's using the same word. And what's different about the New Testament versus the Old is that the Old, the Jews were the ecclesia. In the New, it's Jews and Gentiles. It's not one or the other, it's both. And again, one of the clearest spots in the New Testament, I've given you this, but it's, I'm coming back at it here, Ephesians 2. St. Paul says in verse 13, Now in Christ Jesus, you, you Gentiles, who were once far off, have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made us both one. What? Both who? Jews and Gentiles. Has broken down the dividing wall of hostility that he might create in himself one new man. Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. And this is the big deal of the message of so much of the New Testament, and it really runs directly against dispensationalism, because if the primary teaching of dispensationalism, that there's these distinct and separate plans for Israel and the church, are not true, and you don't really need to know Greek, you can just read Ephesians 2 in the King James, the ESV, the NIV, uh, the RSV, anything you want, it's clear as a bell. There's not two groups, it's one, and that's what Jesus came to do. So that brings us, though, to today. It's my belief that the situation in the first century that gave rise to all of this teaching, especially St. Paul, is reversed. It's done a 180. And today, there's this kind of question, um, maybe not denied, but just kind of like, are, are the Jews really included in Christianity? Yeah, they can join us Gentiles. Um, how about Roman Catholics? And we have Latin. Well, how about Catholics that want to worship God in Hebrew? Would that be okay? I'm, <laughs> I'm probably stepping on toes here. But the idea is dispensationalists grossly overemphasize the role of Israel in a future millennium and totally miss the present millennium, but, and here's the big but, they have a kernel of truth. And their kernel of truth is that they know that God has something in store for the Jews according to the Bible. 
hey, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Jesus was a Jew. Mary was a Jew. St. Joseph was a Jew. I mean, what are we missing here? Do you think God just kind of click, turn that dial off after a couple thousand years? No. He loves the Jews. He has a plan for the Jews. In Romans 11, we've gone through that, that olive tree where both Jew and Gentile are united in one. And it's my practical experience of those who are in the know and teaching prophecy and everything else that many Catholics grossly underemphasize the salvation of the Jews in the end times. There's some teachers who even deny it. Now, if you're going to do that, uh, you're going to be banging your head against a brick wall trying to convince dispensationalists of what the catechism, what St. Augustine and I believe a proper interpretation of the New Testament really is, because they're going to cling to dispensationalism, knowing that God has a love for the Jews, and the world isn't going to end before that love has practical expression. And that brings me to section 674 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You should have it underlined in your catechism, have a paperback copy of the catechism so you can take it with you. You need to be able to open it and show your Protestant friend this, the glorious Messiah's coming is suspended every moment of history until he's recognized by all Israel. And it speaks about the full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation in the wake of the full number of the Gentiles. And that's scripture referenced, Romans 11 and Luke 21 verse 24. And if you want to know, if you want an extended title for this broadcast, call it Luke 21, 24. So let's quit banging our heads against the wall and as Catholics recognize the proper role of Israel so we can start winning our friends and neighbors back to the timeless face so we're both ready to face the end times. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 337 of Luke 21.